0: Heavenly Father, we come before you this day, and we, of all people, have so very much to be thankful for. In you, we live and move and have our being, so we bless and thank you this day for all that you give to us. May you bless our time this morning. May your Holy Spirit work even now to impart to us the truth of your word and to Speak through your word even now, so that we may bring glory and honor and praise to your name. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. I was uh, riding in the car recently and heard on the radio um, of a pastor's daughter who was asking her father why there were so many Christmas lights up already. And she said something along the lines, have they forgotten about Thanksgiving? Believe you me, as I mentioned before, I so enjoy Christmas (laughs) and as as hard as it is, I try my best and we as a family try not to play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. But know this the day after Thanksgiving, <laughs> we start our Christmas celebration in full force. <laughs> there is just something about Thanksgiving that, although not necessarily a Christian holiday, it is a holiday that, as believers, we of all people are truly able to give thanks, and not just to have a feast of turkey and fixings and watch football and a parade. We are able to give thanks to the true and living God to whom all thanks, praise, and adoration are due. Amen? Amen. Today, we will be looking at Paul's admonition to the Thessalonians in, Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where he exhorts them with these words, and I just read, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the verse that is framed and sits on our Thanksgiving table each year. It has been there for probably as many years as we've done the kernels of corn. So has this verse been on our table as a reminder that we give thanks to God. The unbeliever truly does not know what it means to give thanks. And the fact of the matter is that for the most part, they do not Paul describes them this way in Romans 121, where he says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And I used to work in a division at Medtronic, which is the spine division, I moved over to Diabetes Division, and it was very uh different in some regards, because you're always sending messages, you would always send texts, I mean, email messages back and forth. And what I noticed is that with this particular group in the spine division, they would always say thank you. And I don't know if the group was mostly, some of them were believers or, but they would always say thank you when I transitioned over to the diabetes division, it was totally different. Never did I get a thank you when I send a message, hardly ever would someone, and I would always say thank you for helping me with this. Thank you for that. Never would they respond or say thank you. So it's very indicative of unbelievers that they do not have thankful hearts, and Paul goes on to talk about this in First Timothy chapter three and verse two. Let me, uh, let me see. First Timothy, maybe I'm in the wrong section. He's speaking of unbelievers, I think I'm in, here. and he says Second Timothy three two. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. And he goes on and talks about them being unloving and malicious gossips and the like. We hear this all time. All the time, when some may give a trite, you may hear it on TV or in a clip. Someone would say, "Oh, I thank God," in passing, as if you know they're not really. You hardly ever hear them say, "I thank Jesus" or "I thank the Lord," but they use the universal term, "I thank God." when someone escapes being drowned or survived being killed in a burning building or escape a horrific car crash or survive a fall that should have killed them, and when interviewed, they say something like, I thank my lucky stars. Or they say, I was lucky that I survived. What? Lucky? Luck? I don't think so. No, my friend, it was not luck. And luck had nothing to do with it, but it was the mercy and common grace of the true and living God that allowed you to be taking another breath. My mind often goes back to the story that Jesus told in Luke 17. You may want to turn there. Luke 17, very beautiful story, sad in some regards. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village... Ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Of course, we know that Luke was what? A physician. And most of you know that I have a background in science and I've always been fascinated by it. Just a bit of background on leprosy. Leprosy comes from the word that means scaly and was actually a word that was used to describe Many skin diseases. The disease comes from a bacteria called Bacillus, and it's the disease that we know today as leprosy. This was a disease similar to COVID in some regard, in the fact that it could be passed on from one person to another. It was first found in Egypt and dates back to the time of the mummies, You were basically quarantined and could not have any contact from anyone in society or even your own family. Sounds familiar? Most people who had this disease believed that they had been cursed by God. So to tell you how bad this disease could be, the bacteria would attack the skin and nerves. It basically destroys all type of feeling in the limbs. It starts with just a white or pink patch of skin on the eyebrow, nose, ear, cheek, chin, and the head. It then starts to spread so that the eyebrows disappear. Tumorous swellings grow, first just on the face, and then it spreads to the entire body. It not only shows up on the skin, but also goes throughout all the organs in the body. It is said that the fingers and toes can be absorbed into the body. This happens because the bacteria has gotten into the bone marrow and essentially causes problems with blood supply. This causes the bones as well as the rest of the body to shrivel up. What then happens is that the person with leprosy destroys his own tissue because he has no feeling. The bacteria can destroy the eye and cause blindness. It gets into the teeth and they eventually fall out. It even affects the larynx, so that a person with leprosy would have a weak and raspy voice. The skin loses its normal color. It becomes thick, glossy, and scaly. As the disease progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers form because of the poor blood supply. What I really did not know is that the skin around the ears and eyes began to bunch with deep furrows between the swelling so that the face of the person with leprosy resembles that of a lion. Their fingers or toes may fall off. Eyebrows and eyelashes fall off. One could even smell a leper from afar because of the odor that would come from the open sores. A world-renowned doctor on the disease is Dr. Paul Brand, and the modern term for the disease is Hansen's disease. He says that with this disease, a person really cannot feel any pain in his hands, feet, eyes, nose, or ears, and the ulcers on the hands and feet led to rotting rotting flesh and loss of limbs. You know pain is really a good thing because it allows one to know when something is wrong or when you are sick. Imagine if you had no pain and could not tell if anything was wrong with you. Well, this is how a leper lives. He has no sense of pain. In Africa as well as Asia, those with hansens disease have been known to reach their hands into a charcoal fire to get a potato that they dropped they have been known to walk on splintered glass and not even know it they can be bleeding and not know it so in bible time lepers were put out of the camp or separated from the whole of society The passage says that they raised their voices, because remember I said that leprosy would have made their larynx weak, and thus make their voices weak. They called him master because they knew that he had incredible power. They were asking for mercy because they knew they were in desperate need of healing, What you have to understand that in Jesus' day, most of the priests were kind of like health inspectors also. So Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests. People would only go to show themselves to the priests when they thought they were healed. Because remember, this is a very contagious disease. So if they weren't healed, they would not go to see the priests. They were the only ones who could give you the test to show that you were negative for leprosy. The men evidently believed that Jesus healed them and that they could attest to Jesus' healing power despite what others had said about people saying they were cursed by God. All of them were no doubt headed to go see the priests, but one, one of the 10 turn back and glorify God. That is pretty incredible. When you think about the extent of that disease and how they were so ostracized in society and not, and to be healed and not to give thanks to Jesus for healing them? So they were headed back to go see the priest, or they were headed to go see the priest, but one of the ten turned back and glorified God with a loud voice. So remember his voice. So he's so overtaken, overjoyed, that he raises his voice, And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. Can you imagine after being healed? And as I said, not giving thanks. They were all healed physically. All of them were healed physically. But this man was seeking for more than a physical healing, he was seeking for a spiritual healing. The clincher of it all is that he was a what? He was a what? Samaritan, this was a half-breed. He was not a Jew. He was the one who turned back and gave thanks. They were literally, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. So Jesus not only healed him physically, but also spiritually. In other words, he cleansed him physically, but more than that, he cleansed him spiritually and gave him a new heart. Jesus is no respecter of persons. I was going through some cleaning here recently and found in our garage, went on a trip to Romania, and I found some tracts which we used in Romania. And some of them were in English, some of them were in Romanian, of course. And the name of the tract was A Clean Heart. And we would give the gospel and tell them how the Lord could change their dirty hearts and give them a new and a clean heart. See, the nine others were going back to the temple to show that they had been cleansed. They had gotten what they wanted from Jesus. So, you know, as, as they had Jesus on the shelf, and they'd taken him off. They've gotten Jesus has healed them. Okay, Jesus, we're done. You, we've been healed, so we're good. So they had used him all up, if you will, and did not need him anymore. The one man knew he needed more than the physical healing, and even as verse nineteen says, "Your faith has made you well." In the original, the word for well, there is the word for saved. So that would be a better rendering of that. Your faith has made you, you have been saved. Your faith has saved you. Now back to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 passage. Very short powerful passage that Paul gives here. So here Paul says we are to give thanks in how many things in all things on everything so what does in everything mean? <laughs> It means exactly what it says, in everything. <laughs> this refers to any and everything except which is sinful or in regards to sin. We have to remember this in light of another very familiar passage, verse that we know, which is Romans 8.28, which says, <clears throat> and we know what? Yes, here's someone singing and we know that God causes how many things? all things to work together for good, through those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Does that mean that I'm to give tank? that I'm to give thanks when I test positive for COVID? Yes. Does that mean when we go through a surgery that you are to give thanks? Yes. Because we have to trust that in God's sovereign plan and time, he will heal our body. What about when you have the death of a child or a spouse or other loved one? I remember when my father went home to be with the Lord some 17 years ago, and we were at his home-going service, and we were singing a song called, I Still Have Joy. And amidst the sorrow, um, I knew that nothing could steal my joy that was rooted and grounded in Jesus because I knew that my father was in the arms of Jesus. He even said, probably one of his, the last things that he said, was that I am ready to go to see Jesus. This is really a command. And we have no outs. The original word for thanks here means the giving of thanks and is the word from which we get the word Eucharist. It carries the idea of being grateful, well-pleasing. The root word of this comes from the word charis, which a lot of us know, heard, have a, a dear friend named charis, which means Grace. Which means to show that one is under obligation by being thankful. I never forget hearing the story of a missionary family who were missionaries in Utah. They were coming to visit Grace Community Church where we used to attend. They brought with them their three children, two daughters and a son and also brought along two foreign exchange students to evangelize them. They were thrilled to be coming to Grace Community Church, and they were also coming to enroll one of their daughters at that that time, which was the Master's College. They left the college, and their van was hit by a truck which threw the two daughters out of the back window, and they were killed. Their son and the other two boys, who were foreign students, were badly injured and were taken to the hospital. My pastor in California arrived at the scene and asked the father what he was thinking, and the father said this. Well, my first thought is, Maybe this is a dream, and it didn't really happen. But I know that's not true. And he said, but my second thought is, I brought my girls down here because I wanted them to fellowship with God's people. I wanted them to hear a big choir, he said. I just didn't think they'd be fellowshipping with the saints triumphant and hearing the heavenly choir. And then he says he got a big smile on his face. And then he said this. I thank God that he took my two girls that loved Christ and spared those unsaved boys. Beloved, that's what you call giving thanks in everything. So Paul says in everything give thanks. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does he mean by this is God's will for you? in Christ Jesus. This is more than likely refers back to verses 16 and 17 of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul says rejoice always and pray without ceasing. This is in essence sums up the Christian life. A believer should always be joyful, always be praying, and always be thankful. This is God's will for your life. So if you are not experiencing a joyful heart, have a prayerful heart and a thankful heart. Why not? Some of the reasons people are not thankful is because they do not really believe that God is an all-wise God. They do not believe he is a loving God. They do not believe that he is a God who does not change. And they do not believe that he is a God that is all powerful. So if you, have, if you think that you have a problem that you think it's too big or hard for God, bring it to him. He is doing it for your good and what? His glory. The songwriter says, God specializes in things that seem impossible. And he can do what no other Holy Ghost power can do. Another thing that causes one to not have a heart of thankfulness is selfishness. This is someone who does not care about what God's will is, but wants their own will to be done. How foolish is that? Worldliness also causes one not to be thankful because they think more about the fleeting pleasures of this world. If you have a bitter and critical spirit, this can cause you to be ungrateful. One of our dear friends was just telling us about a lady where she lives who always seems to have a bitter or complaining spirit. She goes to a very big and prominent church around here. And a person who can't wait can also cause one to be ungrateful. So this is why Paul says to pray without ceasing, because God works through the prayers of his people to bring about his purposes. Does he not? Yes, he does. The effectual prayers of a righteous man does avail much. The Puritan, Thomas Watson, says, if you wish to be thankful, get a heart deeply humble with the sense of your own vileness. A broken heart is the best pipe to sound forth God's praise. He who studies his sin wonders that he has anything, and that God should shine on such a dunghill. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, but I was shown mercy. 1 Timothy 1.13, how thankful Paul was, how he trumpeted forth free grace. He goes on to say, a proud man would never be thankful. He looks on all his mercies as either of his own, procuring or deserving. If he has an estate, this he got by his wits and industry, not considering that scripture. Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich. Deuteronomy 8.18. Pride stops the current of gratitude. O oh, Christian, think of your unworthiness. See yourself as the least of saints and the chief of sinners, and then you will be thankful. The psalmist exhorts us to give thanks in Psalm one thirty-six. Want to turn there? Psalm one thirty-six. Verses 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? Good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is what? Everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And he goes on and on to talk about how God's love is everlasting. He talks about to him who alone does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights for His loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day for its loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night for His loving kindness is everlasting. So he goes on and on and rec- records and recounts how God's love is everlasting. In Ephesians 5.20, Paul says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. And in Colossians 3.17, Colossians 3.17, Paul says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I don't know if you are familiar with the name Nick Voyage. Nick Voyage. I first heard of him on the program, Johnny and Friends. Nick was born in Australia with something called Tetra Amelia syndrome, which is a rare disorder, which causes one to be born without arms or legs. His parents loved him dearly and were very encouraging. And because they themselves were refugees, they did not give him everything that he wanted, but pushed him to strive to do everything a person born with arms and legs could do. They would not just give him money to buy things he wanted at the store. They would make him earn the money. At the age of six, he earned $2 by vacuuming with his shoulder. Sounds pretty amazing. He became a millionaire by the age of 27. Nick was so overtaken at one time and so depressed that by the time he was eight, he wanted to drown himself. But he was so teased by the children when he was put in school. But he thought about it. Oh, if many would think this, he thought about it he thought about how loving his parents had been to him, how kind they had been to him, how encouraging they had been to him. And he said it just broke his heart to think of his parents at his gravesite weeping over him because he would have done such a uh, heinous thing. So he did not, he did not go through with the drowning, suicide. But he went on to to talk about how the Lord gave him this platform and this ability to go and speak to so many to me to so many schools to so many and he said he would never he would never forget this one place that he spoke. And this girl ran up on stage and said, "Can I please give you a hug? Can I please give you a hug?" No one has ever told me in all my life that I am loved the way, just the way that I am the way that God made me." And he said he was taken back because he had been so loved, so supported, and he had never thought of that, that some this young girl in high school said that no one had ever told her that she in love with all her zits, with all of her foibles, She did not feel loved. Nick thought he would never get married. Got married to a beautiful woman. He never thought he would have children. Has four beautiful children. Without He's been married now for some uh, 10 years. Without any limbs, he is able to type 43 words a minute on a computer. And this is what he says. He says, I cannot give a hug with my hands, but I can give a hug with my heart. Oh, that we would be like those like Nick, who has a heart of love, compassion, and giving. And even more so, Christ, who gives us such a heart of giving and love and thanksgiving. So during this, wonderful season of thanksgiving. If you're sitting here, if you're breathing, if you have your limbs, if you're in Christ, you have the word of God, you have Christ who lives in you, you have the Holy Spirit. We of all people have much, much much to be thankful for do we not? yes let's go before the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father we come before you this morning and we thank you again for this time we thank you for your word we thank you for Lord just um, how you have exhorted us through the Apostle Paul to give thanks in everything and all things even through difficulties, through trials, through times when it we don't feel like giving thanks. We know that it's not based on our feelings. It's based on our relationship with you, with you Jesus Christ. So help us during this time and during this season to be those who exude the joy and love of you, Christ, so that Many will be drawn to you because I know it's a very difficult time for many who may be hurting during this season. But help us to be an encouragement to those during this this time and to speak of the love, the goodness, the grace of you, Christ. And we pray all of this in your precious name, Lord Jesus.